What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Munson, aka That Witch from Work. What's up, witches? Welcome back to another Corporate Coven Podcast episode. I am very excited to bring you this episode. It's one that I've been thinking about and researching for some time, and I'm really eager to finally release it and gift it out to my listeners. This is something that I've been looking forward to sharing as well, because in today's podcast episode, I'm incorporating astrology with tarot. And if you've been connecting with me and my work for some time, then you know that I am a tarot reader as well. I was gifted my first tarot deck in 2016 by my husband, and I started reading tarot back then. And I actually started reading tarot for other people professionally that same year, just later that year. I found that I'm not going to say it was easy for me to pick up the tarot, but it does play to some of my other preferences. And so it was something that I resonated with very early on. And because I had a pretty solid astrological foundation, the concept of working with archetypal energy and using creativity to tell stories and help people move through something just made a lot of sense for me. I started reading tarot when I was already halfway through my master's program where I was working as a counselor. And so this just made a lot of sense and it was really easy to incorporate into my personal practice. And I really loved offering it for clients as well. Now, if you go to my website, you cannot book a tarot reading with me. And that's because I don't offer virtual tarot readings. I prefer to do them all in person. And that's because I really love the exchange of energy. And it's a lot easier to work with the cards. I always let my clients pick the deck that is calling to them. I incorporate crystals into the process as well. And it's a lot of fun. But because I only offer it in person, it's not something that is as maybe easy to share with the broader community and with you know the rest of the corporate coven. And so in this episode, I'm really bringing together those two worlds and I'm sharing my competency and the way that I work with tarot, as well as how I incorporate this into the astrological practice as well. Now, I'm definitely not the originator of this. Tarot and astrology have a long history together, and I'm not going to share that in this episode. But what I am going to share is a new perspective on the Mars retrograde in Gemini that we've been experiencing through the lens of a tarot card, a very specific tarot card. And before I share which one that is, I'm going to set a little bit of a foundation of why this system works and kind of how I'm coming to the card or why this card in particular is the one that we're talking about in this episode. If you haven't already, I would encourage you to go listen to my Mars Retrograde in Gemini review episode. Um, it's going to be helpful just to understand more of the astrological energy. I use some chart examples and I talk about people's experiences with Mars Retrograde and Gemini in their chart. And so I think that's a good foundational piece to listen to before you get into it. But if you're caught up on there or if you already have a pretty like strong baseline understanding of the Mars retrograde, then this is going to be perfect for you. You don't have to be a practicing tarot reader right now. You don't have to be a competent astrologer. This is going to be pretty high level and just an introduction to these tools. 
Some of it does get a little technical. And if you're not an audio learner, then you would benefit from having a visualization. So you're going to want to make sure that you're connected with me on social media to see. I'm going to release like a, a post or a video or something showing you some of the technical pieces that I'm talking about in this episode. So if you want to find me there, if you're not already connected with me on Instagram, my handle is that which from work. And on TikTok, I changed this recently after a numerology reading that I had. On TikTok, my handle is at the corporate coven. So find me on either platform and you're going to see a visual that goes along with some of this technical education. So first to understand the correlation to the tarot, I want to introduce what might be a new concept to you, and that is decans in astrology. So if you're familiar with this, bear with me. If this is new to you, I'm going to do my best to explain this to you. But again, going and finding my feed and looking for this visual graphic is going to be the easiest if you're not an audio learner. But if you take the natal wheel or the zodiac wheel, the idea that things happen in a circle in astrology, and so you have 360 degrees that you're working with, but it's split up over the 12 signs. So 360 divided by 12 is 30. Every zodiac sign gets their own 30 degrees in the zodiac wheel. This is especially true if you're using a whole sign house system, which I do use. So in each of the 30 degrees, you can split that into three different sections. So each section gets their own 10 degree span that they're working through. And we refer to this as a decan. So every zodiac sign has three decans then. You have the first decan, the second decan, and then the third decan of every zodiac sign. You're following me so far? When I started studying astrology, I had no idea how much math was required. And I'm sometimes I'm split on like, well, I wish I would have been introduced to astrology earlier because I've always been interested in it. And it really would have helped me in geometry, actually. And the other part of me is like, if I had known how much math was in astrology before I got hooked on it, maybe I never would have engaged with it in the first place because it's actually very mathematical. So you have the first, second and third decan. Now, what's really neat about this practice is that within each of the decans, there is a planetary configuration. This is not the same as having a planetary ruler. So since we're talking about Gemini, the Mars-Gemini correlation in this episode, I'm going to talk about the zodiac sign of Gemini. Now, the planetary ruler of the zodiac sign Gemini is Mercury. But if you look at the specific decans, then in the first decan of Gemini, we find Jupiter there. The third decan of Gemini is the sun. The second decan of Gemini is Mars. And this is why I wanted to talk about it on this episode. This is a really fascinating phenomenon that's happening. Well, I don't want to say because of anything, but this is a really interesting thing to observe um, is the connection where Mars has been retrograding through the sign of Gemini, specifically through the second decan of Gemini, right? Through that like 10 to 20 degree window, where if you look at the, uh, the relationship of the decans in that zodiac sign, and that's where Mars is sitting anyways. You with me so far? We feel good about this. So again, if you go back and if you've listened to my Mars retrograde episode, in that episode, I share the details of the Mars journey. 
So if you were following along, then you know that Mars entered its shadow period when it reached the eighth degree of Gemini, which is really still on the first decan of Gemini, but is really, really close to the cusp of the second, right? And then it stationed retrograde at the 25th degree and journeyed back to the eighth before it stationed direct recently and then will continue forward, right? So it dips into the first and the third decan, but really the majority of this Mars retrograde has been happening in the second decan of Gemini, where we find a Mars-Gemini placement anyways. And so this actually has a connection to the tarot cards. Fascinating. I know. (laughs) I actually didn't start working specifically with this until I was gifted Another tarot deck from one of my Capricorn friends, actually. And the tarot deck that, I mean, I knew that this correlation existed, but I didn't work with it in my practice until I got this deck. The deck is the Hermetic Tarot based upon the esoteric workings of the Secret Order of the Golden Dawn by Godfrey Dawson. Now, the person who gave me this deck is not a tarot reader. They're not an astrologer. They're just a friend. And they thought the artwork was really interesting. And so they gifted it to me, not knowing that I'm actually fascinated by all of this symbolism and um, that in the guidebook, it actually goes into such depth about the relationship that the tarot cards have to astrology as well as, I'm never confident I'm going to say this the right way, but Kabbalah and the connection to like the tree of life and archangels. The deck connects you to numerology. It's a very fascinating study. And I was really grateful when I received this deck because it kind of helped reinvigorate some of my practice in trying to gain a deeper understanding and relationship with the different cards. And by the time I had been gifted this deck, I was actually much stronger in my astrology than I was in my tarot. And so having a deck that really combined the two in a really straightforward and obvious way was very welcome. And I was very appreciative of that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to share the information from the Hermetic Tarot on the card that is correlated with the second decan of Gemini and helps us understand more intimately the Mars placement in the sign of Gemini. And then I'm actually going to talk about how this card is represented on some of the tarot decks that I own. And I'm going to share with you some of the images. So again, you're going to want to make sure to connect with me on social media because I'll actually include pictures of my decks on the card. So you can see this in real life. And then if you're interested in some of the decks, you can see like which ones I use, which ones I love. And if you're looking to get a new deck or if you use the same deck, you know, that would, that would be cool to know. It would be cool to connect with people because again, my tarot practice is all in person and I don't get to share this connection with a lot of the people that I interact with in virtual spaces. So I'm really excited to share this with you. I hope it's interesting for you. And if you are a tarot reader, if you have your tarot decks, I would love to connect with you and to learn more about this. All right. So since Gemini is an air sign, We want to look at the suit in the tarot deck, which connects us to the air element. If you're a newbie to tarot, I'll give it away. But if you have been working with tarot for a while, then you already know. We're looking at the suit of swords. The swords are correlated to the air element. And so when we think about the air signs, Libra, 
Gemini, Aquarius, they're all going to have a connection to the suit of the swords in the tarot deck. And this is actually really fascinating and I didn't realize this, but even the court cards have a connection to the element. The court cards, especially in the suit of swords, are connecting us to the transition from earth energy to air energy. It's the journey that one goes through when transitioning from Taurus into Gemini or from Virgo into Libra and again from Capricorn into Aquarius. And so no matter what card you're using, if it's in the suit of the swords, it's connecting us to the air element and therefore the zodiac signs, which are air signs. So this is where I'm going to start reading to you directly from the guidebook that came, <clears throat> excuse me, that came with the Hermetic Tarot deck. And I'm reading directly from it just because I'm not considering myself a master here. Like I didn't do this original research. These are not my original ideas. This came before me. And so I'm going to share it more directly from the source and not pretend like this is anything that I like pulled out of thin air or something like that. So first is it's important to note which card, right, we're going to be looking at. So the card in the tarot that connects us to the second decan of Gemini and helps us gain a deeper understanding of the Mars Gemini energy is the nine of swords. Now, if you're not familiar with numerology, which I'm really not, I'm not like a numerologist. I got my first numerology reading recently and I follow numerologists on social media, but I don't super engage with that practice for no other reason than it just, I haven't been drawn to it. Um, but if you're not familiar with it, let me introduce a little bit of the nines and what nines can signify in a tarot deck. So all of the nines actually rule over the second decan of the mutable signs. Okay, so the mutable signs being Gemini, Virgo, and Sagittarius, as well as Pisces. Okay, so anytime you see the second decan, you're always going to see the nine in the suit. So... This is what I'm reading directly, and I quote, After the problems and misfortunes of the sevens and eights, we now have a great crystallization of energy, powerfully formed on a strong and firm foundation for good and evil. Ominous, isn't it? If you consider the journey through a decan, like the first decan is usually very raw and very potent and perhaps a bit um, like immature or naive expression of that zodiac energy, but then it, it matures as it gets ready to transition into the next decan as well as the next sign, we have this concept of developing mastery in some way. And I think, again, this is really beautifully expressed when you consider that the court cards in the tarot are the transition from one element to the next. And then I use the example of that earlier. The king of swords is the journey from the last decan of Capricorn into the first two decans of Aquarius. When you gain mastery over something, you then transition into the next thing, right? And that's true for the suit in tarot as well. The uh, like one, two, three, four cards of the suit are always going to be more of that naivety, more of that raw, immature, untested energy. 
And just like the hero's journey, you go through trials and you go through challenges and you suffer a bit. But then at the end of that suffering, you've gained skills, you've gained tools, you've gained wisdom that is going to help you develop a sense of mastery. And this is where we see the nine and the 10. And going back to what was shared in the guidebook, it's the crystallization of energy powerfully, powerfully formed on a strong and firm foundation. And then in the 10, you get to see like, ta-da, like congrats, you've done it kind of energy. It's the completion energy. And uh, then you move into the court cards where you get to um, maybe display the mastery or you get to apply it in really meaningful ways. Like you've accepted what you have been through and now you're moving on to the next thing, like the next opportunity to like deploy it into the world or to practice it or to share it in some way, right? You reach like a new process of evolvement. And so if we think about, again, what the transit of Mars and Gemini has been, it's not been easy. And that's because Mars is a malefic planet. And again, I talked about this in the previous episode. So if you're like, what does she mean by malefic? I've already talked about that in the Mars Gemini in review episode. As a malefic planet, it brings a lot of challenges. And that was a lot of the key words that we went through in the Mars and Gemini episode. And so with the swords, there's a challenge there as well. And so we want to understand, well, what is the challenge? What does this really mean? And, and how do we interpret this card, especially when we already have a really strong astrological understanding of the transit? And so I'm going to read to you specifically from the Hermetic Tarot Guidebook. And another reason why I really loved this deck is that every single card has a title. And in counseling, one thing that we learn to do with clients in my master's program is that when you find someone who is a rambler, when you find someone who is so busy telling you the stories and the details and, and they're just like really like lost, it's useful to pause them and say, what's the headline of this story? Like if this was printed in a newspaper, what would the headline be? And this is useful because especially I think with Mars and Gemini energy, it can feel frantic. It can feel scattered. Uh, it's moving out in all different directions. And even on the cards of this deck in particular, it's very, very busy artwork. There is a ton going on. There's the astrological glyphs of both the planets and the zodiac signs. There's all of this uh, symbolism and really intricate like steepling. And so it can feel like a very, very busy card. So I appreciate that every card in this deck has like a headline. It has a title. And in this deck, the Nine of Swords has the title Lord of Despair and Cruelty, which again, if you listen to my previous episode and we talked about the keywords for Mars, this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Right. The, the despair and the cruelty, things being swiftly taken away from you, abrupt challenges um, and things to move through. So in this deck in particular, some of the meanings that come from this card, and I'm actually going to share the meanings and again, multiple of my decks, because it's important to note that while all of the tarot has fundamental rules that it's following, again, like it's based heavily in numerology, the association with the elements and the connection and correlation to the astrological interpretation. So there are rules to tarot. The nine of swords are always going to connect us to something which is challenging. It's never going to be like in this deck, the nine of swords is actually very positive and you're going to love to see it and you'll feel, be filled with joy. That's never going to happen. 
But there is nuance in the way that this is expressed, especially as it's depicted in the artwork. I always recommend to people, get a deck, especially when you're new, get a deck where you really vibe with the artistry because it's going to be easy easier for you to connect with the energy of the deck to use it, but also to work with the symbolism that the illustrator has chosen to depict the energy of this card. But so in the Hermetic Tarot, these are some of the meanings that the author called out. Despair, cruelty, lack of pity, suffering, want, miscarriage, loss, misery, burden, oppression, labor, subtlety and craft, lying, dishonesty, slander, yet also obedience, faithfulness in its fashion. And then it offers the reversed interpretation as well, but not everyone works with reversals. I'm inconsistent on if I work with reversals or not, but we're not talking about that in this episode. We're focusing on this idea that when you've been like, I know for me, like this is how I interpreted the Mars journey, but it came from all of the education and the teachers that I've had as I've been working to become a professional astrologer. And all of the other astrologers that I follow and that I engage in their work as well, we all had similar interpretations, right? Mars is challenging. Mars is difficult. Mars is a warrior. Mars wants to fight. And in Gemini, an air sign, it's about fighting with your words. It's maybe about being two-faced. And in that, pre in that episode, I'm sorry I keep referencing it, but like honestly, go listen to it if you haven't already. In that episode, I shared how a lot of my clients, what they were experiencing was the pull between two seemingly opposing forces. There was a client that was being gossiped about behind her back. There was another client who was having to sit in mediation counseling and trying to have someone go between, well, this is what they said and this is what you're saying. And now we're trying to find the truth. Another client that I shared was just kind of like stuck in between two jobs and really worried about making a decision to sever a working relationship because of how that might impact other things. And there was fear, right? So this idea of cruelty and despair, I mean, we experience that on a spectrum. For some people, this was about having their name slandered, about having an experience of their character being assassinated right? Um, and having that cut off about having to make decisions to leave and to terminate relationships because of the hurtful things that were said. For other people, it was just minor. It was, you know, we were fighting more. Um, it was harder to feel like we were understood, harder to feel like people respected us or put value or stock into what we were saying. And maybe we felt that internally. Maybe we weren't trusting what we were saying either or something like that. And so when we want to gain a deeper understanding of how to interpret the Nine of Swords or when we're trying to understand what an upcoming transit might be like, I think it's useful to know that there is a correlation between the tarot cards and astrology. And we really find that connection through understanding the decans of the zodiac signs and the planet that we find there in that decan. So that's the Hermetic Tarot. I, again, don't want to say that I'm recommending that deck. I've had some people say that it feels a bit demonic. I'm open to that. Um, it's definitely one of the more intense decks that I have worked with. But again, like I've already shared why I appreciated it and why I like to use it in my own personal practice. It's not one that I use with clients. I've never had a client feel drawn to it or want to use it in a reading. And so therefore, I just don't even offer it anymore. It feels a lot more personal for me and a lot more educational rather than 
um, I don't know, something that like I'm sharing with clients. But let me walk you through a few of my other decks. And we're going to read a little bit of the interpretation from those authors, specifically for the Nine of Swords. This is so fun, you guys. I'm so excited to share some of my tarot decks. And again, be sure to connect with me on socials if you want to see the images of these cards. And if one is like calling out to you, um, then I might be able to find like where you can purchase some of the decks. I don't get like a kickback or anything like that when I share this, though. I'm not an affiliate. Um, so just know that I have these decks because they were either gifted to me or because I was in love with the artwork and wanted to purchase it for myself. So the first deck that I'm going to read from is the Mystic Mondays Tarot Guidebook by Grace Duong. This one is really graphic. Well, no, graphic is not like violent. It's like um, editorial, maybe. Words are hard for me right now. There's bright pops of color, really high contrast, but like none of the people have faces. Like maybe they like they have lips, but um, anyways, that's not important. You guys can see it. Go follow me on social media. So some of the key words that the author uses for the Nine of Swords in this deck is anxiety, worry, and distress. And I quote, a living nightmare. Your worst fears are coming true. You've managed to manifest your worries by constantly thinking about worst case scenarios, creating anxiety and stress. Making a mountain out of a molehill perpetuates your despair and fuels your melancholy. Fear and doubt are paralyzing you from moving forward with endless what-if scenarios playing over and over in your head. You are frozen with the crippling fear and doubt that you've created, and beating yourself up is only making it worse. They go on and share a little bit more, but... Um, Again, just that consistency of tarot follows the rules and it's never going to be like, congratulations, you're wonderful. It's always going to be dealing with some difficulty and strife, but it is important to emphasize it's the dealing with, because again, going back to the numerology foundation of the tarot card, the nine is about what you do after a lot of those challenges. It's about understanding, okay, I have suffered what did I learn from it? And how am I going to move forward with it? And that's important to call out because Mars is about moving forward. Mars is about directing energy and it really wants to apply itself and to do something not necessarily meaningful, but it does want to do something. All right, moving on to the next deck, I have the Fountain Tarot, which is a deck that I bought for myself. Um, I love the artwork on this. It is so stunning. And I remember I was following them on Instagram and trying really hard to win one of their giveaways where they were giving away a print of one of the artwork on the cards. And I'm just, it's so stunning. Uh, and I felt really drawn to this. And this is actually a, a popular one with a lot of the clients that I read with. So the Fountain Tarot was created by Jonathan Saiz, written by Jason Gruel, and designed by Andy Todaro. And I am always sorry if I don't pronounce those correctly. In this guidebook, the author writes, Nine of Swords, Imagined Misery. A man wakes from a nightmare, still caught in the shadows of anxiety. His fears, concerns, and regrets point sharply at him like sinister foes. His thoughts have piled up in his sleep, steeped in worry and doubt creating a very intimate brand of misery. He can feel the darkness closing in. The Nine of Swords challenges you to sift reality out of the imaginary. Irrational thinking, like dreams, can become cyclical. Deal with the facts and ground yourself in the rational. Your peace of mind depends on it. So in these last two decks, they use the terminology nightmare. And the idea that 
in the nine of swords, we're thinking about the idea of like, are you actually miserable or are you just building a story based on what you can see in front of you? And I think about the work of Brene Brown and some of the recommendations that she's given of like, whenever you are really suffering or you find yourself feeling high anxiety or worry of some kind, it's useful to say, okay, what are the facts and what's the story I'm telling myself about the facts? And so, again, we think about this connection to Mars and Gemini and Gemini being very articulate, being a storyteller, being someone who uses their words as um, a tool and as a resource. But with Mars, it's being used as a weapon and maybe using it to spin stories or to us uh, like obscure facts to maybe make it more aggressive but it's the challenge of like is this the reality is this really true in the wild unknown tarot by kim kranz which this was the second deck i ever owned uh, i bought myself this deck because i really appreciated the artistry and the artwork i was called to it very early on and i've worked with this deck probably the most with clients because it is one of my earlier decks so love this one, love Kim Kranz and what she offers out in her other decks as well. So what she writes for the Nine of Swords, some of the key words are dark visions and anguish. And this is a card that actually when, I, when I'm when i using it with clients and it pulls up, folks freak out. It is a really freaky looking card. There's like eyeballs and a jawbone and worms and it's like, it's not cute team. <laughs> And it sends a message, doesn't it? So let me read the interpretation that Kim has offered for this card. An extremely dark card. The Nine of Swords reveals the deepest shadows of the self. It indicates insomnia, nightmares, and worries in the midnight hour. Often these states are accompanied by guilt, despair, or even depression. You'll be battling with yourself, so turn to others for help. Find joy and reach out. I think this idea of the insomnia and the challenge of sleeping because your mind is so active, it's like on hyperdrive. And that's, again, such a great way to think about the Mars and Gemini, not necessarily just while you're sleeping, but like the idea of being overly busy, overly stimulated and not being able to clear out your mind because you are consumed and overwhelmed by the amount of thoughts that you're having and challenging thoughts at that, right? It's that Mars's ability to be um, aggravating and agitating, but we're thinking about it in a very mental and intellectual way because the air signs, the sword suite, connect us with our thoughts, our ideas, and the way that we communicate and share with others, right? And actually, in my next deck, I have the Tattoo Tarot, which is um, more of a pip deck because only the Major Arcana has uh, images on it which might tell stories. The rest of the cards just have like the nine of swords just has nine swords there's not a picture of anyone doing anything in particular um and so this is actually a fun deck i think i don't remember if i bought this one for myself or if it was a gift but i am tattooed i love tattoos i love the american traditional style of tattooing and that is what this deck depicts um and so in this deck it actually outlines the suits, it says the suits are connected with one of the four natural elements, which have unique characteristics and associations attached to them as follows. And then for swords, for air, it says 
worry, illness, trouble, and strife, the power of words, truth, fairness, objectivity, and boundaries. And then I love this because it also connects you to the numbers. Uh, nines, holding the fort, hanging in there, being almost there, tedium and complacency. So again, just that consistency that we're finding. And um, again, why when you're new, I say connect with the deck, but when you're ready to move on, and especially before you start reading for other people, connect with the archetypal energy, understand the qualities of the elements, understand the numerology and the evolution of the card. I mentioned earlier that I don't work with reversals all of the time. For me, it super depends on the deck that I'm using. I don't have a relation. I don't have the same relationship with all of my decks. Some of them I feel like require a lot more nuance in the reading. Other times it feels very straightforward and this depends on what's coming up for me with the client as well. And so you're going to hear in this interpretation, in this guidebook, some of the positive correlation as well. And I say positive because not everything is inherently good or bad or good or evil. It exists on a spectrum and it totally depends on what team you're playing for, right? I'm th- so I'm rereading because it's my comfort book. I'm rereading Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. And I'm in the first book right now and I'm just thinking about how, um, oh no, don't listen to this if you haven't read it yet and you're planning on it, but how Feyre falls for Resand, who in Tamlin's perspective is the enemy, the bad guy. But for Feyre, it, he's not the bad guy. He's not evil, right? And this is the same experience with our relationship with astrology and with the cards as well. It totally depends on whose team you're playing for. It totally depends on what your own personal motives are. And it depends on how comfortable you are working with the energy of the transit of the card, whatever it is, nothing is inherently good or bad. And oftentimes when we see reversals in the tarot, it's maybe like the positive spin or the challenging spin on something. But I think what it actually does, whether it's a reversal or not, and why I don't think you have to work with reversals, because you just need to understand that it's a spectrum and you're just going to be somewhere on that. And you might fluctuate as well in the way that it's expressed in yourself as well in your life. So in this tattoo tarot deck, for the Nine of Swords, they write, power of the mind, third eye, good faith, integrity, busy mind, suspicion, fear, despair, shame, misery, anxiety regarding loved ones, hermit, meditation, sanctuary, ceremony, and ritual. Do I have any Game of Thrones fans in the coven? Because I have the Game of Thrones tarot deck. This was a gift to me by one of my previous work colleagues and friends who is actually a very heavy skeptic and teases me quite a bit about my esoteric practices, but we love him nonetheless. And um, even though he teases me relentlessly, he is still a big support. I really appreciate this gift that he gave me. It's very thoughtful. So I have the Game of Thrones tarot deck. and. I love it. I don't work with it a ton. Um, it came out before. Well, it came out before the series was finished on TV. And obviously, like the book series isn't finished. And so I don't use it because I'm not convinced of a lot of the interpretations that they used. 
Not that the way that they interpret the card is wrong, but maybe some of the images that they use, I'm like, oh, we could have done something different or there was maybe like a stronger connection. And I'm just pretentious. And so for me, I'm like, oh, it's like, it's not one of my favorite decks to work with. And I don't even offer it in my client readings, but I love having it because of the fandom. So in the Nine of Swords, some of the key meanings are anxiety, stress, disruption, and insomnia. And it's presented, like the image on the card is of Grey Wind, Rob Stark's dire wolf, caged at the Frey stronghold. So this is right before the Red Wedding. And we see the dire wolf of Rob Stark is trapped. And we know that like, because Rob, this is where Rob Stark dies in the series, um, and the dire wolf is like his protector, then there's like this anxiety, this like inability to protect the one that you love. And we heard this in the tattoo tarot as well, right? It's about fear over maybe other people and less about yourself. Now with the astrological interpretation, this is going to depend on what house it falls in, right? Like my, um, my clients are a good example of this where it was always a kind of about themselves, but it was about their relationships with other people. And that's because the air signs are relational signs. It's what connects us to, um, you know, other people in our life, like our immediate community or, um, you know, the neighborhood that we live in, the cosmic community that we're a part of, or our intimate partnerships that we're in with other people. And so this one has the upright and the reversed meaning as well. I'm going only going to read the upright meaning. It says being mentally overwhelmed, fear and stress are the traditional meanings of this tense nine. You could be struggling to process one recent event, feel anxious about the future or be locked in a pattern of anxious thinking. Additional meanings include whatever else disturbs your sleep, such as nightmares, insomnia or physical discomfort. You know, reading this and reading nightmares over and over again, I'm learning something right now that I'm going to reflect to you. I have noticed and observed in my immediate community, meaning like I have two Instagram accounts. This is coming from the Instagram account where I post pictures of me and my kids. It's private. You cannot follow me unless I know you. And in that immediate circle, I've had a lot of people talking about like, oh my gosh, I've been having such bad dreams. I have, you know, been having really vivid dreams and I've been thinking, well, that's weird because, you know, Neptune is still in Pisces and, you know, Venus hasn't ingressed there yet. So like what's going on with Pisces? Because in Pisces, we always think about like dreams and stuff like that. And I, and I kept trying to associate it or correlate it to Pisces or to something going on in the 12th house. But reading all of these cards, I'm like, oh no, this has actually been part of the Mars and Gemini moving through the second decan, right? That's that's fascinating to me and not something that I maybe would have pulled out initially, but this is what's so cool about connecting these practices if you're in a position to do so because this is definitely not beginner entry level type stuff, but it really helps bring a deeper understanding of what people might be moving through and how we're experiencing these transits. And if you've been having nightmares, if you've been having very vivid dreams, then this could be part of your story and your relationship with the Mars Gemini, especially with the retrograde that has been going through the second decade, the second decan of Mars <laughs> team, <laughs> the second decan of Gemini. Anyways. All right. This is going to be the last tarot deck that I share from. It's not all of my tarot decks, but I think you get the picture. I'm going to share from this deck because it is different. This was also a gift um, I'm looking at the Illuminated Tarot uh, by Caitlin Keegan. 
Now, something that's unique about this deck is that it's a Leo Normand deck, which means that instead of um, the traditional number, it connects some of the major arcana into the regular playing cards or into the suit cards. So it only has 53 cards for divination and gameplay. Um, and so the way that you work with the deck is a little bit different and especially with interpreting it. This was a gift from my husband and I don't use this deck at all. This deck is decorative for me. I've never felt a strong connection to the artwork. It would, it's sad because it's actually badass. It's super like psychedelic and it's really colorful, which is actually why I don't connect with it very much. Um, I'm not true Aquarius rising where everything is black on black on black. But it's super groovy, and I keep it because it makes me think of my husband who gifted it to me. And it's very much his style, uh, and it's it's pretty trippy, and it's, it's pretty neat. But again, I don't use it with clients. I don't do readings for it myself, but I wanted to use it in this episode because it is different. Um, and I wanted to just share that, again, like the consistency of even when we're looking at such different styles of decks – there is a consistency in the way that we interpret the card. So in this deck as well, the you like the you use the traditional, not traditional, you use the suits of a playing deck. So instead of having wands, swords, cups, and pentacles, you have spades, hearts, diamonds, and the other one. Clubs. This is how you know I use tarot decks way more than I ever use playing cards. Um, but so in this deck, you use the spades for the swords. That's the connection there, which also you can read tarot for people using just a regular playing deck of cards also. Um, so in the nine of spades, it says the thoughts that keep a person awake, a struggle to make sense of events. So again, just that consistency and disrupted sleep, having so much on your mind, coming up with stories about what is or is not happening that causes a lot of fear and worry, um, sometimes having to do with other people, sometimes having to do with ourselves, but definitely this like concern, this inability to relax because of this overly stimulated mind. And that has been a consistent theme for this Mars in Gemini transit, which again was really unique and why so many people were talking about it was because of the amount of time Mars was spending in that sign. I believe it was like seven months total. Um, and so challenging for a long period of time, collectively living in the nine of swords energy for some time, right? And again, what was really interesting to me and why I wanted to share it in this particular episode is that Mars is going to move through all of the signs eventually, right? It's like a circular fashion. But it was just so fascinating that for this uh, transit, for this retrograde cycle, while Mars has been in Gemini, it was almost exclusive to the second decan, which is where we find Mars sitting in Gemini anyways with the rulership over that decan. So Love this. If you liked it, let me know. There is a lot more that I'd love to share. There's a few other transits that I might just like bring this up because it's interesting and fascinating to me as it's journeying or as the different planets journey through the zodiac and through the decans of the zodiac. If you use this in your practice, um, I'd love to hear from you. And if you have any of the same decks as me, let me know in the comments of this episode.
All right, witches, thank you for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate any type of rating system that you can give me. Um, if you really loved it, it'd be cool if you shared it on your socials and tagged me in it. And if you want to contribute or collaborate on future episodes, make sure that you're connecting with me on socials. My handle is at that witch from work on Instagram and TikTok. And make sure that you sign up for my free newsletter, the Corporate Coven newsletter. You can sign up on my website, www.thatwitchfromwork.com. On my website, you can always be in the know of my latest readings and how to get in touch with me. Thank you.